And we're back, my dog. What's good, Sachi? Kev, long time no see, no speak. Nice to see you. Where are you in California? Yeah, I'm back in LA, back in the city, back in my city, feeling good. Nice golden, golden uh, glow to you. I can tell. Man, all year round, bro. This is the lightest I get. <laughs> nice, bro. Nice. nice. Um, so happy new year. You know, it's World Cup year 2022. We got. Qatar coming up, not in the summer. We got later on in the year. We have a fall World Cup, which I, we've never experienced, so that should be interesting. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're huge uh, USA soccer fans. Three games this last window. Uh, we have three more to close out the qualifiers, and uh, we played El Salvador, we played Canada, and we played Honduras. Um, a lot, you know. I feel like a lot's going on outside of the field, like always with the men's national team. A lot with the tactics, a lot with the coach, a lot with the fans. How do you feel about us? How do you feel, you know, the process and, you know, the morale of the team is at the moment? Even if Burhalter went nine out of nine, you know, like got uh, cruised through qualifying, right? Which style killed it? You're still going to have some people that say, oh, yeah, but it's qualifying. It's CONCACAF. Yeah, they're playing yeah. against this. You know, like you never win no matter what. So whether you do well and you beat teams 3-4-0 and you qualify for the World Cup, you're still going to have people that are saying, oh, it's not enough, or it's you're playing Guatemala. Yeah, let's see them do that versus France. Let's see them do that versus Spain. Let's see, you know, like, yeah. so we're, we're very, um, we're exposed to a lot of opinions and uh, sometimes I'm not even going to get into this, but sometimes it's, you gotta, <laughs> we gotta be able to tone it down a little bit, you know, yeah. and it's hard, man. It's like, I don't think there's any other country that, that has this kind of problem. Maybe Brazil, Brazil, no matter what, you know, yeah. like those, you know, they're very opinionated and they got all different types of people over there with different thoughts, but uh, it's not easy for Greg, man. It's not easy. Um, Listen, I, I'm on Greg's side. I'm a little bit biased because I don't think he deserved the job originally. Yeah. Fair. But since he did get it and he's a Jersey cat and he went to Benedict's, you know, which is down the street from me, I got a roof for him, you know? And listen, you know, he's approaching compared to Bob Bradley or, or Klinsman. He's a little bit more of a modern coach. You know what I'm saying? He looks like outside looking in, he looks like a player's coach, you know? Yeah. With the Jordans and, you know, being young, you know, the basketball plays on the sideline. And it's like, he seems a little bit more of a, a newer coach, a newer style. Yeah. And I think that's what you need to do with these new players, with the younger generation. As long as he qualifies for World Cup, I don't give a shit. Yeah. No one remembers the qualifying, bro. You know, mm -hmm. as long as you make it to the World Cup, that's where you're going to get judged. Yeah. So as long as he qualifies, he is number one to me. Fair. That's a fair point about qualifiers. You know, no one, no one's. All right. Sorry. Take away that Trinidad Tobago game. Can you remember any other game of last qualifiers? No, I can't even name you five people that were on the roster. Yeah, exactly. That's my <laughs> point. You know, so yeah. it's like. You know, the platform that Twitter provides, you know, it's like you can get caught up in that. You know, the soccer Twitter is crazy in this country. Yeah, I, I am on the on the same page with you 
about Greg Berhalter. Uh, I'm rooting for him too. He's an American guy. I believe that, you know, you know the, the, <clears throat> the whole landscape of soccer right now, it's a good look to have an American coach, to have our own, you know, traditions and our yeah. own views, yeah. be American. So, yeah. you know, I am, I am rooting for him, you know, but <clears throat> it's always very questionable, his in-game game management, his, you know, tactics off the field. Sure. You know. I was actually at the, the U.S.-Canada game in Nashville where we tied 1-1. I was sitting with the with the friends and family of both U.S. and Canada, and uh, that game versus Canada in Nashville was so frustrating, Kevin, because all we did was just side to side the easy passes. It was almost like a possession game with no purpose, you know. And at the thirtieth, by the thirtieth minute, I had enough, and I just started going off. You know, I'm like, "Are you? Is this? Is this considered good?" I was like, "Is Greg going in the locker room at halftime saying, fantastic guys, you did a good job of connecting passes?'" They had zero shots by halftime. Yeah. You know, or like something like that. You know, it, it was. You know, that's not a good game. If you don't, the purpose of the game is to score goals, not to connect passes. You yeah. know. It's tough. You got to talk right after a game. I also think that's a big disadvantage, right? Like talking right after a game. Yeah. In any sport, you know, when the emotions are, are high, like I think it's always tough for especially coaches, you know, that with adrenaline flowing and all that for players, it's like you're expending your energy, you're running, you get to unwind. But coaches, we're always thinking at a thousand miles an hour and then you get asked questions that you have to hit on the head precisely because if you yeah. don't then your words get taken and spun into something else yeah so that i'll leave it at that yeah man i think overall it was a good window you know we won two out of the three games yeah. uh el salvador you know not that strong of an opponent honduras had checked out uh but what definitely leaves a bad taste in my mouth is the loss of canada because it was there were they dominated us, you know, they had a game plan. They set back, let us have the ball and, you know, they capitalized on the chances they had. That's us, a but... good word that you use there. That's a, uh, I like that because you, even though they didn't connect passes, you said they dominated us, right? Yeah. Other people are saying, oh yeah, we, we had majority of the ball. We dominated. That doesn't mean yeah. you're dominating, you know, yeah. like you said, perfectly. <clears throat> I agree hundred percent. You know, they, they, they set the tone. It's almost like they punked us. It was the conditions were cold. Tim Weah wasn't available, but, you know, and, but yeah, I feel like they, they're not scared of us. I saw an interview with Kyle Laren after the game and he's like, yeah, we have this feeling that every time we play and we're not scared of them, we know we're going to beat them. And not that I find that, you know, disrespectful or anything, but it's like Canada, you know, like, you yeah. know, I feel like Canada's just now being a powerhouse. Like it, you know, yeah. a, a loss to Mexico definitely hurts, but mm -hmm. you know, like, losing after Canada this time, I was like, damn, like this feels worse than a loss to Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. Kev, I, look, look, I called, I said it before, uh, qualifying. I, Canada is on the uh, uprise. Like yeah. they're, they're, they're good, man. Like they're a good team. A lot of their players are playing at big clubs and yeah. it's, you know, like you can't be a bad national team with those kind of players, you know? So yeah. it's like, we need to forget about the past. We have to live in the, in the present and yeah you know, predict the future, see the future. Canada is going to be a problem for the next couple of years or the next generation. Yeah. Um, Canada sat in. Yeah. 
and Iguain said it actually this season. He, he said it uh, with Miami. He goes, it's easier sitting in and countering than it is to break down a team, you know? So it's like organically the game just happens to be that U.S. needs to score or has to break down Canada versus Canada. They're playing with nothing to lose. They lose yeah. to America. It's fine. You know, like it's supposed to happen. Yeah. So it's like they can just sit in and hit them with, on the counter with fantastic players, you know? So I think that I think their goalie was talking smack too. I think that's going to haunt them in the future because when it comes to, you know, a, if it was a one game knockout, Kev, yeah. and it was USA versus Canada, I think we'd take care of them. Yeah. I yeah. think we put it, we'll humble them. We'll put them in their place, you yeah. know? Because uh, you only poke, you only poke the the gut belly, you know, of the beast by yeah. saying that kind of stuff. I, uh, I will, I will say that mm-hmm. at this moment, Canada deserves to be at top of the table. Not yeah. only, not only do they deserve that, but they're the most fluid team all across. You know, they're better than Mexico as far as like they got their shit together. They're better than us. Yeah, they're you know they're 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 also in their golden era, just like the U.S. You know, right now we're in the golden era. Absolutely. Players, they're in their golden era too. So. They they're coached very well, so they're definitely going to be a problem. Um, and you know, but the, I had all bullshit to the side. They deserve to be number one. Not to sound too overconfident, just because you know we didn't qualify the last World Cup, but we have it in the bag. I feel like mathematically, yeah. you yeah. know, we should be able to qualify. You know, but um, mm-hmm. I still we I think our biggest mountain to climb is still to find that you know fluid formation or like that's that consistent formation throughout. Uh, the whole roster. Yeah, we have death. We have guys that, you know, um, that are earning that, you know, kind of like stamping their, their, mm-hmm. their you know, spot. their spot. You know, McKenney, I think, is our most important player right now. Uh, I think, you know, Christian, obviously, is our best player, but mm-hmm. he's been in a slump. I think McKenney definitely stepped up this window winning. You know, he's good in the set pieces. He gets once he gets that confidence, you know, he starts freestyling in the in the in the midfield, and that's exciting to see. So we definitely want to see him in that pocket, you know, and definitely take on the responsibility as a leader, especially after being suspended from last camp. You know, I think it was definitely big time that he stepped up and that he's stepping up. I think he's a very important player, especially with Tyler Adams was, you know, he was what do you think? What are your thoughts, Kev, on Tyler Adams in the midfield? Honestly, bro, I have, I have my mixed feelings with Tyler Adams. I like him when he's not on the ball, when, when he's not on the ball, <laughs> he, yeah. he covered, he covers a lot of ground. He's disciplined. He's someone that's box to box that has an engine that will disrupt. He's an annoying player. Right. Mm-hmm. But, and he's solid. Don't get me wrong. He's solid. Um, I'm sure his leadership is, is there, but on mm-hmm. the ball, he worries me. Like, you know, um, I think his strongest mm-hmm. attribute with the ball is him spraying it. But he like turns it over way too too often, and he doesn't get forward as 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 much as I you know not that we need him to get forward. But yeah, like, exactly right. He you know he's just like more like just an anchor to me. I you know I, yeah. I think that he's gonna be perfect for the World Cup in the midfield. I don't think he's a qualifying midfielder. You know, like a. Yeah. And I say that because like in the world cup when we're playing against France or we're playing against, you know, uh, any powerhouse, you know, we're, we're the minnows. Yeah. He's going to be so big time, you know, winning balls, you know, covering ground, like you said, 
But when it's when we're asked to break down teams, do you really need a six? Do you really need someone like him in the midfield, or do you need someone better on the ball? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like if we have a team pinned in for a majority of the game, do you really need a six that's going to be a bruiser or like win balls, or do you need a six that's going to actually spray balls in behind, you know, or try to connect that, you know, thread the needle or, you know? So I'm like. It's a tough one. It's a tough huh. one because you obviously want him to play qualifiers, you know, and that's that's bro, that, that's a very good point that you bring up about him, because I feel like if if there's someone that's stamped their spot in the midfield is him, you know, I feel like Adams McKinney, obviously, mm-hmm. Eunice mm-hmm. Moose is doing well. But as far as like defensive midfielder, he's the only one that like true defensive midfield that I feel that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. But what a point that you bring up is like, do we actually maybe need someone that just kind of holds the ball with the depth that we have. Cause think about Gio Reyna is going to come back. Gio Reyna is going to, you know, either put, I don't think he'll sit on McKinney, but he'll put out Musa. Musa will sit there. Why not? I would rather have Musa than uh, sit in between Tyler um, in the six Tyler. rather than Tyler Adams, just because yeah. Musa is better on the ball and because he can advance the ball forward. And that's also what we saw Luca De La Torre do against, uh, Honduras. Yes, is Honduras. Yes, is a weaker opponent, but you know, opposed to Sebastian Leggett or Paul Riola, who only goes side to side, this kid wasn't afraid to dribble up the field. You know, it was his mm-hmm. like first real test with the national team, but he definitely showed out. You know, he's playing in Germany and he's someone that you know has been asked by the fans, like, oh, where is this guy? Like, why is he not in the roster? And it clearly shows that he has that confidence to carry the ball forward. Um and speaking of Sebastian Legit, I, I like the guy. He's a you know big uh uh LA Galaxy yeah, legend. Yeah. He played, he yeah. gave us a lot, you know. But mm. my question to you is like I've been hearing this like rumor or just like you know, you know, Twitter, soccer Twitter talks, and like th- there's this big rumor going around that that the MLS clubs and like I guess the MLS owners have a big influence on what players get called and put on the roster. And that, you know, they're in Greg Berhalter's ear and they have they need to have certain amount of players that, that, you know, playing MLS because 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 of the contracts and the networks and all this stuff. I mean, it makes sense. Like, if you think of it like that, U.S., I feel like U.S. I mean, I don't know if I should start getting into this or not, but like. U.S. soccer and MLS got to be in bed together. You know, like that's that's just natural. Right. You almost yeah. expect it. I mean, Greg Berhalter's brother was was uh, he was one of the guys who were like, like hired him. You know, it's like he was top in the U.S. soccer uh, federation. So that's almost that's nepotism right there in itself. Yeah. So it, just like in every business, it happens everywhere where it's one hand washes the other. And uh you think of it, there's two ways that they benefit U.S. soccer and MLS. There's two ways this happens. The owners, you know, who own the players, right? Technically, or MLS owns the MLS players. They're, they want to sell these guys. And you can't sell them unless they're playing for the national team. Mm. Right? So it's like, okay, there, there's that angle, right? It's like, all right, Greg, you know, you got to play a lot uh, you got to play this guy you know we need to raise his value you know we're trying to sell him and i could see that happen and it does happen in europe as well don't get me wrong this yeah. is not just america it happens in, i've seen it firsthand um 
but also you got to give some credibility to the league. Like if you don't play any MLS guys, then, you know, what does it say for, for um, the league? You know, yeah. it's like if you're playing in MLS, you, you, you can't make the national team. You suck. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like setting a precedent almost, you know, that like, okay, you can still play for the national team and, and uh, play in MLS, you know? So I can see that, you know, happening. And does it? Probably. Um, but I don't think to an extent where it's going to ever damage uh, or like, you know, put us at a disadvantage in a game. Yeah. Like, I don't think he'll ever play someone that's not worthy of it, you know? Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, and no. Then that, actually, I want to touch up on one thing, too, which I like. You notice that in these, like, the El Salvador games and um, the Honduras and those games, he's playing the MLS guys. Mm -hmm. And it's like a lot of people are, got their hands up and they're all complaining, oh, it's not a good lineup. This is not a good team. But how are how are you ever going to test out your your national team pool if you don't play them in those games like you can't just all of a sudden like oh hey you know let me try out um you know who's on the bubble um bello the, the left back from atlanta oh let me try out bello versus canada in a uh, or mexico in a you know crucial game like you got to test these guys somewhere yeah and and then if they do well, then, you know, okay, maybe, you know, I'll bring them to the Canada game, you know, or he doesn't get to see these guys day in and day out. Yeah. So it's hard, Kev, you know, like you only get so many chances to test these guys yeah. in these environments. So if someone can pass the test of playing in that team that he put out versus El Salvador, I think it was away <laughs> where Pepe scored, I think two goals late. What was that? Right. It was Honduras. It was, it was Honduras. Yeah. That team, I remember, right? It was like Sands, you know, in the midfield. It, was, it wasn't yeah. the best team. And everyone had their, you know, arms up and going nuts. And this, it's not a good team. This, that. I'm like, guys, relax. Yeah. He knows what he's doing. You know, like, you're te he's testing out his pool. Do you agree or do you not? And then versus Canada and Mexico, he has his strongest teams. Don't yeah. get me wrong. Like, he'll play his strongest teams, all the Europeans. I'm rooting for the MLS players. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I want like, yeah, 100%. You know, in the perfect, obviously, we want our league to be strong enough to compete, you know, with the players from the Europeans and the other bigger leagues. So I definitely, I'm rooting for them. But as as I'm, I keep watching these windows, bro. They're just like not up to like level. Bring in, I love Jazzy, but he's oh, not. bro, he's the one. So <laughs> don't, bro. He's the one player that does not deserve to be on the national team anymore. We gotta move past him. So you know, like you know, like past, past he's. I agree with having him on the roster, maybe in the locker room, you know, for, mm. for experience sake, because we're maybe because we're young, maybe throw him that bone. But no, bro, like we yet wow. don't have a center forward like a like a, you know, consistent yeah. center forward and definitely taking a chance on Jazzy's artist right now is, you know, he's not at the level anymore. So maybe off the bench will be dope. So those are the those are the small things that I question on him and not not so who would you play instead. Obviously, you know, the hot guy right now is Pepe. He's in a slump. He's transitioning to uh, Germany and, you know, he's not, you know, he's not really hot there yet, but he's the one that has the momentum, you know, especially because you didn't bring Daryl DK, you know, P-Folk is doing pretty good at Young Boys.
uh, sergeant who's at Northridge, you know, yeah, he's those, out yeah, of this. those are questionable, man. Yeah, you I know, agree. but why not give and, and, and you know, why not bring in one of those European guys? Not just because they're in Europe, but bro, Jazzy's artist hasn't played in two, three months because the MLS is in off season. A I lot did, of these, um, yeah, so that could be a potential, yeah, I see what you're saying with that. you know what I'm saying, and, and not just Jazzy's artist, but also uh, Miles Robinson who plays for Atlanta, he hasn't played in two, three months. So, like, these are decisions that I'm thinking, I'm like, bro, like, as as a manager, as a coach, these are things you have to take, you know, keep in mind that we still don't have a convincing center forward, yeah. you know? So, it's, that, that's what, that's, that's... Kev, that's always the hardest position, right? Yeah. It's always the hardest position to find. Yeah. Even if it's bringing a young player in and letting him kind of learn, you know, and yeah. even if he's not doing like Pepe's perfect, you know, because I think that Pepe's career might have been pushed too fast. Yeah. Because I saw him play. Um, hey, last time I perfect. last time I saw you. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. Him. We saw him uh, Red Bull uh, versus NYC, right? Yeah. Yeah. We saw him live and, you know, he's got a good frame. He's got a good body, but he seems still very, very yeah. green, you know? Yeah. And uh, let's try to make him a little more ripe, you know, and we'll deal with the growing pains. You know, I'd rather do that than bring in um, an old forward who's probably not going to yeah. play, you know? I'll call mm -hmm. up to Daryl DK. He, he's solid, bro. Yeah, he why don't they call him up? You look at it, bro. These guys haven't been called in a minute. Like, Daryl DK hasn't been called in a minute. Sergeant hasn't been call called in a minute. It's we keep calling yeah, Zardes, right. we keep calling Pepe and Jesus Ferreira, who's not a center forward. He's not a he's more of a winger. He's more, you know, mm -hmm. um, it's, so. it's tough, Kev. It's a tough dynamic. Like I was talking to one of my friends who's Moroccan and he was telling me that because they're playing in the African uh, Nations Cup, whatever the tournament is. Yeah. And uh their best player, Ziyech from Chelsea, right? He's at Chelsea. He, the coach didn't call him in. He's not at the tournament. He's available, but they got into a, they got beef. He didn't call him in. You know, they started bumping heads and they went on. Listen, at the end of the day, the national team doesn't put food on their table, on the yeah. players' table. Yeah. So coaches have a, like national team coaches have it a little bit harder in that sense where it's like, the guys aren't obligated to do well. Like you can still have a fantastic career and not play for the national team, you know? Yeah, yeah so that's a very guy, good point. Like, for example, uh, Sar uh, Sergeant and the young boys guy, um, what's his name? P-Folk. P-Folk? Yeah. Yeah, so those two guys are still making millions, right? They're making yeah. millions. They don't need the national, they don't, they didn't ever need the national team to make millions. So why, yeah. you know, like, it's not like do or die kind of thing, you know, yeah. that gives, not that I'm giving sympathy to Greg Bellhalter, but like, bro, mm -hmm. that's, that's such. It's a hard, it's tough, bro. Yeah. It's a tough. Team coach is tough. Yeah. Not been, you're never going to be able to get the best out of these guys. Cause you say, yeah, they're not and, obligated to be there. No, as much as, and, as much as is an honor and to represent and blah, blah, blah. You can say like, you're not obligated. Yeah. You can. Yeah. That's the stuff they put out for the media. But yeah. when your coach is telling you, you know, for Chelsea's telling you or, you know, whatever, young boys or whoever it is, mm -hmm. you got to stay. Your your contract is depending on it. You know, you, you need to do well here. That's where you give it your all.
you know, that's where you're going to start fighting, scratching, clawing. You know, you're not going to do that for the national team. I mean, you do get a nice bonus, whatever it is, you know, that the guys get, but it doesn't compare to what they make yearly at their clubs. Let's talk Christian Pulisic, man. Mm. You think he was in a little bit of a slump this window. You know, he was, uh, in my opinion, it was, you know, a good decision for Greg to pull him out of the starting lineup against Honduras. You know, the conditions, you know, were not the best because, yeah, I mean, obviously the conditions were fucking horrible. And, you know, he's come out of injury and he's in a slump. So, you know. Yeah, I, I like it. I like it because, number one, it, sh- it, it kind of protects him in a sense. Yeah. Because I, I think that I don't know if, if this is what Berhalter is kind of thinking, but it protects him because I think that he's being put way too much weight on his shoulders and yeah. i think that he does well you know like when he's a role player that's when he can be the best and um at chelsea he doesn't have to decide a game you know like he can play well and he'll make an assist but it's not like they come into the game and it's like oh all right he's yeah. got to score he's got to assist you know like they have uh, 10 other guys who can do it you know but with the national team i think when he's make or break in a game, I think it's too much for him, you know, and God only gives that to certain people, bro. You know, like that's Messi, that's Kobe Bryant, that's Tom Brady. Uh You know, those are, those are those kind of guys. He's not that. Yeah. He's definitely not that. And um, it also protects him in the sense that like, look, we can win without him as well, you know? And it's not like, you know, he's doing it on purpose, like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, there's beef there. There's no beef there. It's just like, look, you guys need to realize that he's not superhuman. Yeah. You know, that we can still play well without him. And then the team sees that, the players see that. And then it's like, all right, you know, if he's injured or if he's not playing, we can, guys, we can still win. You know, like we can still try to break this team down. Uh, where before it's like, all right, you know, he's got to win the game for us, you know, and yeah. that's all we know kind of thing. Yeah. No. I like the move. I like the move. I, I think it was a great move uh, to definitely mm-hmm. to sit him out, you know. Um, that's a very good point that you said to kind of take that weight of pressure. responsibility, the pressure, pre- off, pressure him. off him to like, hey, it's not it's not just your duty. The duty's not on you, you know. Yes, it's, you're right. You know, yes. when he came in, it was 2-0. And it was, you know, we had control of the game. The conditions were terrible. He's just coming off from injury. So my, I questioned that decision. I was like, that's terrible. Like, why mm. would you put him in? Like, just, you know, put him on ice, give him this off. But yeah, I think, I think when you put it that Good way, way I think- re, uh, uh, reflect or uh, redirecting the attention and the, mm-hmm. like, you know, and the main focus and like, it, it, it's a good psychological move and it's a good, um, I like him. And, and 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 also like base, you know, you know, obviously we usually think worst case scenario, but best case scenario, what happens? You know, he comes in, his first touch, he scores. So you look like a genius now. Not only yeah, did yeah. it was that a chess move, but now it's his confidence is back. All the criticism, everybody shuts up. You win everybody back. You get your best player back. It's it's important to point that move out because myself, I was like, why is this? What is this guy doing? You know, but it's. Mm-hmm when you break it down and you kind of see how it plays out, it was definitely a genius fucking tactical move. Yo, what do you, what were your thoughts on um, playing in Minnesota, right? 
Uh, yeah, that, that's what I was going to ask you next. <laughs> uh, it's crazy, bro. Like, obviously. I don't know if, if you said anything pregame, uh, did you say anything pregame about that? Were you belly aching about that? Right? Everyone's so confused. Everyone doesn't get it. You know, we're, we're you think to- about it. You, you bring those. It's like most of the those um, Central American teams, when they play, you know, closer towards Central America, they have a good amount of fans, yeah. you know, and the players can, you know, they adapt to the conditions of the field, the weather, you know, but bring them up north where they got to yeah. freeze, you know, and it's like yeah. they don't have that many fans, you know, it's like. Yeah. That was actually a smart move. Yeah, I, 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 you can look at it two ways, and I'm yeah. kind of, t- I'm torn at it by, by it both, because I'm mm-hmm. looking at it like in the bigger picture. As far as like, like a chess move for your opponent, I think it's brilliant. Let's put him in the worst conditions, something yeah. they're not used to. Um, let's go to Minnesota's where there, there's no Honduran people there, so it's going to be a home game for us. So I, I, I initially thought, okay, the way, well, the reason why we're doing that is smart because that gives us you know, the home, the actual home field advantage. And mm-hmm. we don't have to, you know, when we play Mexico, when we play in LA, you know, we're the visiting team. It, that, that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. But then I yeah, think about yeah. it, not prideful, but as far as like more of a, like a, like a logical thing, like, but that puts our players at risk. One, two, are we that down bad that we have to be, take True. Honduras, right. you know, to, to the worst, you know, is that where soccer is? Um, so I, I, the media plays but, a lot into it. You know, you start seeing that, the, you know, the goalie had hypothermia, all of this. But, like, if you look yeah. at all these football games that we see on yeah. TV, we're used to it, you know. Yeah, but um, Kev, the art of war, no matter who and what, it's almost respectful, you know. Like, yeah. you're taking your, your opponent serious like that. Yeah. I see it as <laughs> it don't matter. Even Bayern Munich, bro, when they play, you know, fourth division, fifth division teams in the Pokal, yeah. They're beating them 17-0, you know, like they're going to try every competitive advantage that possible that they can get, no matter who. But, yeah, you're right. Like, it's do you really need to do that? Whereas, uh, you know, that tells you where you're at kind of thing. Yeah. No, but, but but what you said is true. It's like, you know, in the art of war, that's we were definitely taking no opponent lightly. Yeah. And also like, yeah, like if if. If you look at what Bolivia does, Bolivia plays in like yeah. the highest stadium. So yeah. I think in the soccer world for us is normal. I think the media and like this, you know, ha- uh, having it go viral, it definitely, you know, puts it in the conversation and then people start making it a big deal. Like, why do this? Why do that? He either um, was going to look like a genius or they were going to crucify him. Exactly. Exactly. And so and- it turned out being the right play because it makes sense it's like take your opponent and let's go fight you know somewhere where we're not gonna like it but we're gonna be able to adapt to it but they're not gonna be able to even you know begin to where we're gonna you think any of those players on that national team have ever played in those kind of conditions before no you know it's it's like but we've played in that you know like there's guys that we've played bro in the winter it's freezing over here and we're still playing because it's also like not the first time we've done something like this you know it just like so happened to be that it was snowing hella hard and the wind chill was terrible but and i i I mean look i like that the national team also goes to you know you got to spread the love here you know where it's like if i'm a fan national team fan from minnesota Mm -hmm you never come over here by us it's like it's kind of 
it's not fair you know and it's like yeah. it's a good way to spread the um the soccer you know the national team the u.s fever because kids that are gonna watch the game in minnesota that are just growing up and you know they go to that game they watch that game you know they have fun and then boom they're they're soccer fans you know so it's like yeah. Maybe if U.S. never goes there, they never watch a game and they don't become soccer fans. So it's a good way of spreading the uh, U.S. fever around. No, a hundred. Yeah, and if you look at if you look at the stands, even in a pandemic, that shit was packed. So yeah. it, it shows you where the passion, where the fans, like we're gonna sell this shit out no matter where we're at. I think we the media blew it out of proportion. Yeah. I think I think fans are just not used. Mm. I think. You know, just picking at a at a small thing. I don't think it's, yeah, it's that's what US fans that's what I'm saying. We need to yeah. tone it down. We gotta be a little bit more um uh, yeah. I don't think our fans are football savvy. Yeah, we're so we're, we're, we're getting there though. Yeah, and you we're know getting what's... there for sure, for sure. We're getting there hundred percent agree, but there's a lot of like bro, social media is so big now, you know, yeah. the way you can influence a, a mass crowd. Kev, you know, I don't know if you've seen Social Dilemma on Netflix. Have yeah. Yeah. See how easy it is to manipulate like a large mass of people. Yeah. You know, so it's like anyone that's smart enough or, you know, I'm not saying that there's someone out there kind of, you know, dictating, you know, what the general thought of, you know, our, our fans are, but it's so easy to, there's a snowball effect where it's one guy yeah this then you know and then it just becomes a whole thing and then the whole nation's talking about it you know and it's like if you have nothing to talk about then you're starting to talk about nonsense and that's where some people can see through it and some people can't and that's what i mean by being savvy like we need yeah. to we need to see through some bullshit and i think that's where we're becoming better bro i think we're growing as as a as a nation as a soccer nation because if you think about it, obviously we're used to hearing Taylor Twelveman, Alexi Lalas, Hercules Gomez, but now these guys are being held accountable by normal people, just fan like the, the a random person of the fan base. You know, they're able to interact with these people and go back and forth. And now, as you know, social media is getting bigger and soccer content, more soccer content is putting out. The Lexi Lalases, the Taylor Twelveman, Eric Ronaldo's—they're actually reaching back and communicating, exchanging, you know, dialogues with fans, and that actually helps us cover and keep each other accountable on what we say instead of just talking out the ass. Instead of saying this, like, what do you know about that? Instead of just you know going back and forth, like having you know being able to hold these people accountable via social media, via YouTube, via like whatever it is, it's only going to raise you know, the respect of the game, but also like the patience of the fans, because, mm. you know, that's, that's something that we don't have. We want to, we want everything. We want everything to, we want to win. And mm -hmm. when we don't win, it's like all hell breaks loose and we forget about the process we've made. The good checks and balances though. You need it. You need it because yeah. without, you know, the fans and the media and all that, then there, you know, no one holds them accountable. So exactly. you need it, but, I think we need to see through some bullshit, you know, yeah. I think that, you know, we don't need to get worked up about yeah. small things, you know, exactly. At, at, at the end of the day, with three games left, bro, we sit perfectly. We're in second place. Mm -hmm. You know, we've beat everyone, every, you know, no one's really mm -hmm. beating us like down mm -hmm. bad. 
It don't but, matter. You can get smacked. They can get smacked tomorrow 6-0. As long as they qualify, Kev, it don't matter. Bro. Yeah, because, so. You, uh, you know, no one remembers that. Yeah, four years, you know, four years, four years ago, we were in a much, you know, with a with a bigger mountain to climb in front of us. I don't think that, you know, we should dive we into. In a, we were actually sitting in a better position before the Trinidad game. There was like. It was almost impossible not to make the the, yeah. the World Cup last last uh, cycle, and it just happened. Here we go, Kev. Who won the MLS Cup this year? NYCFC. Yeah. Who was the best team in the MLS season? Who was this, the fact that you don't even know? You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Like, uh, no one cares. No one yeah. cares. No. Yeah. I'll tell you right now where Seattle ended up. Seattle ended up in the West Coast, twelfth, bro. Sounders? Oh no, sorry. That's two twenty. Oh, bro. Well, nah, well, well. Sounders, Sounders ended up. Yeah, that that makes sense. Seattle ended up second in the West Coast, but still, they weren't the best team. There is Colorado ahead of them. Oh yeah. New England was the best team in the league with seventy three points. No one's gonna remember that because they didn't win it. They didn't win it, bro. Yeah. You know, so it's like <laughs> they can get smacked tomorrow, U.S. As long as they make the World Cup, it don't matter. And this is another point I want to make as well. I think the World Cup has got to be the the World Cup and NFL playoffs. I think those are the hardest, you know, tournaments to ever win, bro. It's I, I don't I think I did touch up on it last podcast, but it's like, look, if U.S. makes the World Cup right and they underperform or underachieve, but you like where they're going, right? And you like the way they played and they showed signs of promise and i think that only soccer brains will see when they've played well and when they've achieved um a good level but lost like i think you need to know the game to see that right it's like kev you can see when a team plays well they lost but you can like yeah they're moving in the right direction yeah bro the, the world cup is three games in the group stage and then it's like one knockout game, right? So every minute of every game is so impactful. You can have 10 minutes. Look at France in, in the Euros. They have the best players in the world. They have 10 minutes that were garbage and they lose to Switzerland. You know what I'm saying? So like if we, in soccer versus NBA, where you have seven games and you find out who the true uh, winner is, right? It's like you play seven games, you're going to find out who the real stronger team is but with soccer it's like you can be the stronger team have a 10 minute period where you shit concede and then the other team sits in and you lose one zero and then you're, you're packing home you know yeah so it's like it's tough bro it's tough it's such a tough sport to win you know and i think that's unfair to new england because they had a fantastic season uh week in and week out they, you know, dominated teams. They won games. And at the end of the day, no one remembers them. No one thinks about them. You know, like, they have a shitty game, one game versus NYCFC in the playoffs. They lose in penalties, and all of that goes out the window. You know, so it's tough. It's tough. It's tough. So that's why I really don't care about qualifying. As long as they make it into the World Cup, I'll judge them more there than in qualifying. Yeah. Us who know soccer, you know, who are followed, this is not our first qualifier window. We know that, you know, no one remembers the qualifiers. We just got to get there. 
But I feel like there's just a lot of pressure because of us not qualifying last time. People, you know, people who are just becoming fans of the sport, you know, that this is all they know, us not qualifying. So I feel like that's why the media, you know, the YouTube uh, soccer culture is like nitpicking at everything Greg Berhalter does, every every player, every action, instead of just looking at the whole picture the last four years, you know, where we've come a long way. Look at what, like the team we have, look at the potential we have. And we're three games from, you know, closing out, not just, not just qualifying, but starting the next generation of U S soccer. So mm-hmm. I think, I, I think, I think the way, you know, you, we've talked about and the way you've explained it as far as like, yeah, we just got to get the job done because at the end of the day, no one's, yeah, you just got to get the job done. Cause no one's going to remember, you know, the, 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 nah the bounce passes as and long the sh- as he's hitting his internal goals. Like, I don't know what his goals are and you know, what the Federation has set out for him. And I'm sure they're probably really good goals. Like, you know, we need to um, play, make sure that, you know, our youth are playing or like, you know, th- that internal stuff, as yeah. long as he's hitting those and he's qualified, don't matter how he, it could be the ugliest way he can get in, in the fourth spot, beat an Oceania team and make the World Cup, success. You know, yeah. I, I think it's success as long as you make the World Cup. And I also think, Kev, like in Europe, all these teams, they don't have it like us where it's, we're going to play in Canada where it's freezing, you know, mm-hmm. like in, in this kind of stadium. And then your next game is in the tropics of of honduras where the field shit you know the balls bounce in different ways you know like the conditions are so drastic whereas like all right when england plays spain they're going from london to spain they're still playing in a huge stadium they're still playing on pristine you know grass they're still uh playing on you know like the conditions are almost kind of level whereas like the conditions for us are like this so that's also a you know, another thing to take into consideration when, you know, qualifying, it's tough, bro. Joe said it, even him, he was like, yo, as, as a Mexican goalie, you know, who's played at the highest level, he's like, yo, CONCACAF is hard, man. Yeah. You guys don't get it. It's really not that easy. Yeah. And I've played in those games, bro. I was in the U20 World Cup qualifying in in Guatemala. It's not easy, bro. Yeah. No, I want to ask you one thing. Uh-huh. If you, I think we can end on this. Um, tell me, do you do you ever think of this? So, Polistic and Gio Reyna and all these new cats, right? Yeah. They have all in their youth careers pretty much went through the academies. Would you agree? Like you, they played yeah. at you know whatever the top academy in their areas from a young age. Yeah. Right. So think about it those kids have grown up on beautiful grass right or like a beautiful turf or like a nice good conditions i don't think there's any academy team in the u.s that has shit conditions you know otherwise you're not an academy yeah um so they're they're taught on that then their coaches are teaching all these kids i don't I don't know a coach that doesn't teach a team not to play. Right. It's like, you got to build out of the back. You got to pass. You got to, I don't think there's coaches out there that are saying, all right, center back, you get it, launch it, you know, win the second ball or, you know, like any kind of way possible to win a game. Right. Cause that's not, again, that's not an academy, right. You got to go through the phases. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. It's like passing this, the beautiful game. You think the, the South American kids are going through that? Like Argentina, Brazil, like you think they're going through the same thing or it's like they're being just, taught first how to play on the street and how to play in the worst conditions. And then as they get older, maybe 16, 17, 18, 19, they're hitting the beautiful conditions where the passing, the tactical, you know, the, you know, is yeah. that- is I know, that I know what you're saying. Playing, you, you get what I'm saying? Like, is that playing to an effect with our national team? Because I, I, I think so, I 100%, bro. Just because on a mm-hmm. more like on a psychological level, as far as like, that's a different grind. That's a different like level of like, just carrying yourself and building character. You know, where you have but, to wait. But no, no, no. Seeing the game in a different way, too, bro. Because, look, I coached a bunch of D1. I mean, I didn't coach, but we had the USL2 franchise this, this uh, summer. Mm-hmm. And we had a bunch of kids, um, you know, D1, top schools, ACC, Big East. And there was one game or a couple of games we were playing on a high school field, right? Or, like, you know, it's not a field where you're trying to pass. You know, it's a pineapple. Yeah. The ball, you pass the ball, it's <laughs> yeah. just popping up. And these kids are like, they're trying to play out the back. They're trying to, you know, make it, put a, a square peg into a circle, you know? And it's like, dude, this game doesn't call for, you know, yeah. the tiptoeing stuff. Yeah. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. We got to try to play through it. We got to try to. No, bro, this yeah. game doesn't call for that, you know? And he's like, oh, well, that's not how I was taught and raised. I was taught, you know, I was taught when I was younger that we got to pass and we got to try to build out of tough situations, this, that. And I'm like, yo, these kids are not going to know how to play unless the conditions are perfect. Yeah. Right? No. Yeah, no, 100%. I think so. I think you're right. Well, when, like it, we throw our kids into Honduras or to Guatemala or to Bolivia or to any of those conditions, they don't know how to play because they've never played in those conditions before. Yeah. But again, like, do they really need to? I think it just builds a different level of like animal or like, and, you know, just like, kind of like, you know, I guess, you know, when you, they're never really going to, how many times a year are they ever going to play in those conditions, right? Like if you're going to be yeah. playing at Chelsea, you're going to be playing at the best conditions your, your whole career. Yeah. So I guess, I just think that our guys like don't know how to play in those conditions because they have the academies now and they've always played on, on great fields and, yeah. and, you know, with the best coaches, the best gear, the best cleats, the best, you know? Yeah. So that's another thing. Our fans don't know when we do lose or we do tie at Guatemala or yeah. at, you know, like Andy Nahar. Did you see what he did to us? Yeah. Last game. Bro, yeah. Bro. Yeah. He killed us that game. Um, he's for El Salvador or Honduras? I he's Honduras. 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 Yeah. Yeah. That Honduras game, bro, he destroyed us. Yeah. And I see him week in and week out in MLS and he's not yeah. really anything. Yeah. But he was born and raised on those fields so he can yeah. play in those conditions, you know? Yeah. So that's why that level is kind of people don't understand that as well, bro. It's yeah. like you'll play in Canada where it's five degrees, and then you're playing in Central America where it's, uh, you know, it, it's tough, bro. Concrete cap's tough. 
Yeah, we have to note these things, you know. Um, it's yeah, not yeah. just People it's not to make excuses. It's not to make it's not to make excuses for the players. It's not, or, it's not but, but it's, it's like also not easy. Yeah, people have to understand, you know, that these are actual things that affect not just the game, but players and, you know, referees and coaching mm -hmm. staff, all the stuff that, you know, small things that are behind the scenes in the games that we don't get to see as fans or at home. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, have you watched any of the African Nations Cup? I haven't got to I haven't got much of it, to be honest. So, I mean, I'm sure you haven't seen any because uh, if Sadio Mane or Salah or you know, any of the big time African players that are playing at the top clubs, if they've done any highlights, you probably would have seen it on social media. So yeah. the national team arena is a tough, it's not as, it's a complex beast, bro. It's so hard to dissect. So that's why smart people, savvy fans, you know, who understand the game aren't getting worked up for dumb stuff, you know? I like, hear you. You don't get worked up for those kind of things. I hear you. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. There's there's people who are watching this because they're fans of the sport. Right. There's right. people who actually understand and mm -hmm. appreciate the growth and see the growth. Yeah. And the whole as you know the big picture. That's yeah. You, yeah. You don't see the players. Because when you see when you see it like that, you know it's yeah. There's it's, so I, many things to consider, bro. Yeah. So many things, so many things. And again, there's no excuse. Like, shouldn't ever be an excuse. But there's also another side to the story. Like, you got to play devil's advocate a little bit. Yeah. To summarize it all up, I think we're sitting pretty. I think yeah, we're, we're, you know, we're chilling. chilling. We're chilling. We have a good group. You know, we have depth in this group. You know, obviously, there's going to be people who don't agree, who don't trust Bear Halter. But at this, at this point, he's done a decent job. He qualifies. He's done his job. So he's going to be our guy for the World Cup. Mm -hmm. um, and, yeah, I... You get style points, bro. You get points, you know, three points in the bag, qualified, bang. That's where you're judged on. You're not That's judged it. on if you connect 30 passes and scored a bicycle kick from the 18, you know? Like, get to the World Cup. We're in. Yes, Done. sir. Yeah, man. Like, um, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to finish out the last, you know, three games of this window. And I look forward to, you know, actually seeing us. We're almost done, Cup. right? Yeah, we're almost done last three. We'll, 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 definitely, we'll definitely speak after the next window or, you know, hopefully once we get a draw. Uh, to the group stage and stuff like that, but you know it's hopefully always a pleasure. It's a good conversation, bro. I mean, look, hopefully we're it is. Pretty, but yeah, you know, you never know. <laughs> yeah, man. But, you know, definitely thank you for your time. Definitely for, you know, for your insight always, bro. You know, I know you're a sharp soccer brain and you're a huge fan just like I am. So, you know, we're going to keep continue keep to yeah. keep pushing and doing our part as fans, as supporters, you know, that, you know, we want we want to we want to win. So, mm -hmm. you know, we're, we're doing this stuff because we care about the national team. And, you know, we would definitely want some glory after it's bro. It's this is what I say to everyone. It's easy to shit on the national team. Try being a little bit optimistic, you know, because it's just easy to talk shit. Yeah, I mean, we can talk shit about anyone. Try, you know, seeing the bright side of it. You know, I hear that's, you, my that's dog. what I tell everyone. Yeah, yeah, man. All right, Kev. So next All time, right, big dog. Talking, Peace.